rush to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. Welcome into another episode of First of the Floor. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics, under some spicy circumstances, have advanced to the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. We're going to break it all down along with some other trending topics, Celtics-wise. Alongside me, Wayne Spoonie. Spoonie, how's it going, man? In-season tournament, it's magic, baby. Yes, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a fun night, dude. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I was freaking yelling at my TV. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like up. I'm like, Tatum, enough with these turnovers. Like, it, it felt like- Up 25, like fourth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It felt like the fourth quarter all over, like, over again. It was yeah. like, we're pissing away our 39-point lead, dude. Yeah. Get in yeah. here. Somebody also gets Richard in. Yeah. 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 Jake Eisenberg, also here. Uh, Hello, I dropped the guard a little bit there. How are you, Jake? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, mate, <laughs> Too excited. I honestly, yeah. so I was so hyped up for, I don't know- why or what but at the ist the marketing got me i'm a i'm just a, sh- a poor little sheep and yeah. all of their all of their little <laughs> tricks worked on my little smooth brain and i'm an, I'm obsessed with the ist now let's go absolutely it took this stage right where like where yes. multiple things needed to matter including as i, I run the clip here royce o'neill's three-point explosion at the end of this okay. game like i was i was angst watching watching the end of this game just thinking it's oh, not yeah. going to happen we can't rely on the nets we've never been able to rely on the nets other than gifting us the picks that got us the jays uh, <laughs> and then Royce o'neill just goes fucking crazy and just wins the game on his own and suddenly like we advance to the quarterfinals amazing that's the in-season tournament so good i know the game ends i flip to the nets game i see spencer dinwiddie running pick and roll and i'm like i had flashbacks back to the first round of the sixes Net series where he was just so destructive where they couldn't win a single game. I'm like, God damn it, my fate is in the hands of Spencer Dinshitty all over again. But <laughs> came through. Kept- yeah, yeah. It, it was, was perfect timing because right when the Celtics game yeah. end, I'm sure you did the same thing. You flipped to the yeah. Nets game and it's Dinwiddie with like six seconds on the shot clock at the crossing <laughs> over at the top of the key. I'm like, oh shit, this is no, not gonna screwed. go well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if, the Raptors are also bad. Correct. If we win the uh, the NBA Cup, as we'll call it, we'll have to give Dean yes. Chitty uh, an honorary sip of yeah. beer out of the cup in Vegas. <laughs> so hopefully we can, we can get him on the team playing there for that one. <laughs> so the Celtics, they won this game like within a vacuum, just a good old-fashioned blowout of the mm. Chicago Bulls there who looked oh. uh, very dreary, particularly Zach Levine, 124 to 97, a 27-point deficit for those math nerds at home. We mentioned the Nets, they beat the Raptors by 12. And so the Celtics, they advance. They win Group C in advance to the quarterfinals in Indiana, which we'll get to. But Spoonie, just looking at this game in a vacuum, what were your main takeaways from the Celtics blowout of the Bulls? Yeah, so like, you know how like how sort of the doomer uh, inclined fans of the Celtics talk about the Celtics offense? Like, it's just isolations, nobody passes, they just jack up bad shots. That is actually how the Bulls play. Like, dude, I, I mean, it was like shocking how yeah. disconnected that team looked on the offensive end until Levine went out and then they'd get like Dasumu and Javon Carter in and things would, they're like, oh, they, they're not good. They lack a lot of talent, but they're at least they're kind of playing actual basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, this was a performance I think we all kind of needed 
on both ends. Like I, I didn't love how they opened the game, but yeah. the, they were taking bad threes, but they were going in and it's like that gained them confidence. And then like for 42, the rest of the game, well, the last 42 minutes, like the ball was popping. They were running their sets. Everything looked great. And the defense, man, we've been talking yeah. about how the defense has been great even when the offense has been struggling this may be their best defensive performance of the season i mean they were just so crisp i it's up there man it was, was really well, really good and the bulls suck i was gonna <laughs> say yeah, you suck. Got, <laughs> yeah the, the, the defense and the offense looked really good when they were playing the chicago Bulls. Yeah. man like my brain hasn't quite wrapped like wrapped around how bad the bulls actually are because they've played they've been one of the teams that's really played the celtics tough for the entirety of this DeRozan Levine era. Like just Dasunmu didn't miss a shot against the Celtics in his entire rookie season, it felt like. And so like DeRozan, I was I was confident was going to come in and knock down all these mid-rangers, but they don't even have the ability to stay in these games, it doesn't feel like. Like they have dropped not only fr- past the play-in kind of tier, they are well into the Pistons Wizards tier now. Like Levine ending this game, was it two points? It's two yes. points. Two like that's yeah. Like only taking nine shots. That like you know that's that's a really bad sign. Um, it's just a terrible audition for for himself. If he wants to get himself out of there, for him to like not turn up. Hey, it's IST night. People have their eyes on this Celtics game, and you're just gonna let them walk over you while um they they get this twenty three point advantage. But yeah, the the Celtics defense getting our boy Drew back. And straight back into it, that was nice to see. Like the stock exchange, like that duo of Derek and and Drew flying around. You know, that's probably why like Zach Levine was like, you know what? This is this is not the night for me. Not where I want to be. I'm ta- yeah, I'm, I'm I'm taking this one off. A fresh true holiday is not someone I want to be dealing with today. Yeah, I don't even like my job I, on, under normal circumstances. And now I'm going <laughs> up against the stock exchange. Now my life really sucks. But yeah, that, that look, <laughs> the look of like the dreariness, the I don't want to be here, like head down, walking around, like staring at your feet. It's it's like one of the worst all-time looks for an NBA player, mm-hmm. particularly like an all-star-ish player. Um, contrast that to someone under those in those same circumstances who still rocks up professionally, plays professionally, empowers their teammates, does all the right things until the front office does the right thing by them. Like that is conversely like the ultimate look of professionalism um, and just a complete mirror of that from from Zach Levine. Uh, someone who maybe did exhibit some professionalism in this game and has been lately with the exception of oh. the Orlando game. So let's say three of the last four games, Jalen Brown. Yeah, listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, listen to the Zach Lowe podcast, listen to the first of the four podcast. Clearly, I'm a huge fan and has completely turned his life around. He's turned my life around, Spoonie, in the way that he's playing now. Uh, What are you seeing from Jalen Brown lately? Yeah, uh, so even including that Orlando game, the second half was really a disaster for him. He was just kind of okay in the first half, but everyone there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't a Jalen problem. That was a team problem. Um, So the last four games, what I've noticed is Jalen is averaging 4.8 assists per game, and his assist to pass percentage is the same, right? So every time he passes it, you know, there's like a percentage chance he gets an assist. That hasn't changed. So what it means is he's passing more, which is awesome and exactly what we've wanted out of him. So he's up to 10 potential assists in these last four from 6.9 for the season, 14 assist points created up from 9.8, and the best stat. 2.3 2.3 turnovers. So he's over mm. two to one assist turnover ratio 
in the last four games. Well, including that shit. Orlando took game. seven yeah. years. Seven years. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I just think he's he like he's starting. I think we've been talking about it a lot. Jalen's had the biggest adjustment period with all the addition of talent with Drew and KP coming in. My one concern is, well, he's doing it without KP. Is that related or something? But I, I don't think so. Him and KP have that great chemistry. I think he's just finally understanding where his spots are on this team, where within the flow of the offense, he should be getting the ball, taking shots. And I think he's just been more willing to pass the ball. Yeah. Like he had one play, I think in the third quarter, a uh, second quarter, he like posted somebody up, he hop stepped. And I was like, oh, here comes a tough contested mid-range jumper. Mm-hmm. He just moved it. He just kicked it. And I think it was to Pritchard or Hauser. They buried a three. And it's like, that's it, Jalen. Just bottle that up. And yeah. chug it, buddy, because that's the that is the formula right there. So I love how he's been playing, and I I really think if this is the version of Jalen we're gonna get, like this team is going to be, we're going to the finals, we're winning the finals. <laughs> oh, we're back! <laughs> yeah, here we go. Oh, okay, <laughs> one more out. All it takes. Yeah, yeah. Play, play the Hawks and the Bulls, and you're gonna feel real good about yourself yep. really quickly. <laughs> it's better than any therapy session, though, Jake. Like to just play to sort of mid. I mean, the Hawks were good, and we shut them down. Their mm-hmm. offense has been on fire and we limited them to the lowest scoring total of the year um yeah better than any therapy sessions i didn't mean to interrupt you on the on the jalen brown front looks like you're bursting at the seams there oh no 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 (laughs) well i think we're all bursting just in general when it comes to to jalen brown right now thumbnail Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh big al um but yeah no jalen it's it reminds me of the stretch post all-star break last year where you know there was that rockets game where and interestingly it's coinciding again with tatum kind of sleepwalking and his turnovers going up and him kind of like not looking super locked in and jalen's like really raising his level here across the board and the most important part is just the making the right play thing the assist numbers are better but it 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 really is just i swear just a little bit of a mentality shift of just like I just need to look a little bit for the pass. And I think he said that in the post game the other day. It's like, I got to balance, you know, making the, making good passes and being myself being like, what's gotten me to this level in the NBA has been my aggression. And like, absolutely. Like how many years did we sit here and be like, yes, aggressive Jalen. We love aggressive Jalen, like getting downhill and, and attacking the rim. Like we obviously still want that because that is who Jalen Brown is and what makes Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, but just like the mentality of just, making the right play and just keeping his head up a little bit. You know, it's just because he is he teams teams are helping off everybody else. One, because he has such incredible scoring gravity. But two, the scouting report is kind of out and that like if you crash down on Jalen Brown, you might you're gonna get turnovers and he's gonna struggle to make simple passes. And if he's just he surveys the floor just for half a second before he attacks. And so he at least has some idea of, of where some other guys are. And then you surround him with guys that are flashing into open places. Like, I mean, Al Horford, we're going to get to. But, you know, guys are, are making themselves available like Derek and Drew. I loved the game from Drew, the glue guy kind of game, filling in the gaps. And, like, if everybody's able to f- understand where Jalen's going, I think that's part of it too, is that the, 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 t- like the rest of the team is understanding – where Jalen is able to find them. And sometimes like, right, you know, he raises for those mid ranges or those like around the basket shots and it's contested and guys are cutting along the baseline and he's able to find them down there. It's just, um, 
to it's a it's a global a global effort to improve Jalen's playmaking, which is improves everything else. Yeah, I think Jalen might be legitimately a good cutter. I think last year oh, when yeah. they were doing all those those backdoor cut plays with Marcus. I was like, it's all Marcus. He's the maestro. He's the orchestrator. He's like using his eyes to set up Jalen. And yet it's continued in lieu of Marcus Smart. So Jalen is, he understands like uh, his role in that play and he's setting up um, like not famously good passes like Kristaps Porzingis in setting him up in those those um, backdoor cut plays as well. So that's really good to see. The other thing, this is an advanced stat that I haven't been able to find anywhere is fan, Celtics fan, Pants shittings per oh, yeah. dip uh, dribble into a double team or trap. So Jalen Brown, <laughs> the last four games, if I can just attempt to quantify this, has been like getting himself caught up in double teams. Like defenses have been swarming him, particularly when Tatum's on the bench. And you kind of mentioned it, Jake. Like he's heads up. He's making good decisions. He's you know picking up his dribble if he needs to. He's getting rid of the ball often. He he'll recognize the trap and dare I say it, a teammate will cut into open space and he'll find them for an assist or at least a potential. Yeah assist like who is this guy like that this never happened before this wasn't on the roadmap and suddenly out of nowhere he's doing it after scaring us just earlier this season Mm. and suddenly he's like a completely different guy on that sense that said we've had these blips throughout the last seven seasons of Jalen Brown's existence on the Celtics where it's like oh wow he might be better than Jason Tatum wow like he's incredible like is you know is he gonna make an all-nba first team is he gonna make the all-star team which he which he has but we've we've had these high hopes for Jalen before and then he's uh, inevitably let us down in the long term in times that matter more like the playoffs against the heat for example does this feel different to you guys at all I know it's Mm. a crazy small sample size I I need to believe I want to believe that this is a different (laughs) approach from Jalen Brown you guys, foodie. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't look, let me this down. Isn't, this isn't the <laughs> Don't first. Let me down. <laughs> this isn't the first four-game stretch of his career where he's averaged five yeah. assists, right? Like that's not insane. But I think the flashes have been there. Like I think he had an eleven-assist game earlier this season, um, and it it just seems to me like that version of Jalen was always combined with like he's also absurdly hot from three. And he's just like feeling it, period, no matter what. Um, And he's just very hot and cold in that manner. But this, you know, he's three at eight last night from three, which is fine. That's great. We'll take that all night. But it's not like absolutely flaming hot Jalen. He's totally unstoppable. And he's also finding guys with passes. This was like a this felt more repeatable of a performance than some of his hot streaks um, earlier in his career and it feel it really I, I'm with you Jake it, it's a mindset thing for me like he's pa- yeah. he's averaging six more passes a game in these last four games too okay. and it's just so it's just like a commitment to moving the ball doing things quicker and um, being more active off ball too and you said it with the backdoor cuts and coming yeah. off screens harder and I, I feel like he's doing that and look until he does it for a season, I'm I'm probably never gonna believe it's real. But I I do think there are some things that you could lean on to say like this isn't just an aberration. Boom, yes, Eric. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna get to that in a second. So we we got to see it consistently against good defenses. I think for us to really is it is it a real thing? Because absolutely, you you and you you, you don't want to take it away from him that he did it against the Bulls and the Hawks, like. You still have to do it against those teams, but, you know, better defense against Philly coming up. I think for Jalen, it's like, because, look, inevitably there's going to be 
he's going to just be off with some of the reads on certain nights. Teams are going to kind of get ahead of him. It's like, can he just not force it and do the other things and not be destructive where it's like, okay, I'm just going to make like make this really simple play, just swing it to the wing and then cut. And yes, to your point, Eric Weiss in the chat, Jalen dunking more than he has in years. I looked this up yesterday. So this year, 17 games, he has 22 dunks. That's 1.29 dunks per game versus last season, 67 <laughs> games, 64 dunks, 0.96 dunks per game. And I have just some great dunks. Like I got some of my favorites from, from the season here. Oh, yes, um, please. Just, just to talk about yeah. some Jalen dunks. I mean, crosses Jalen, uh, Trey Young up, poster on Capella. Our boy Porzingis, backdoor cut versus the, versus the Bucks. Windmill, no chance for Middleton. Our backdoor cut versus the Knicks, two-hand two Tomahawk. Everyone's finding him on these cuts. Just Cooks Towns, monstrous poster <laughs> on Gobert. Like it doesn't stop. Oh, and then some J2J crime on the trampoline, dude. He's just getting up this year. And then yesterday, fakes the handoff. That was sick. Zach Levine wants no part of this. And then Nemhard and Miles Turner trying to deal with the handoff game with Paul Zingas. No chance. It just, it doesn't stop. And then, oh, DiVincenzo breaks his ankle on the ground <laughs> in the garden against the There's Knicks. more. And then <laughs> this first play of the game. It's like a the movie. Bucks, cooks Giannis <laughs> off the dribble. And then first play of the game for two. He's been, he's, I don't know, like what's gotten into him dunking wise, but he's just murdering everybody so far. Well, he's been it's, banged up the last few years. Like maybe yeah. he's finally like totally healthy too. And real quick, sorry Ben, not to cut you off. He didn't have an eleven assist game earlier this year. I don't know. Eight, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, maybe uh, I'm dream. on that unicorn dust that Mary <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in the chat said, or unicorn magic. But sorry, <laughs> go ahead, Ben. <laughs> well, I'm just getting to some comments here. Will be free in the chat. Best Celtics dunker since Ricky Davis. Fair legend. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, uh, I, Sam Hauser. Of I course. mean, yeah, it's close. <laughs> it's definitely close. Sam yeah, man, like, but like, actually, though, he's he's become this has become something that he's really good at, mm. and he developed mm. the chemistry with Marcus. But now everybody else, kind of like Derek and Al and Drew, everyone else can make this pass, right? And it's kind of ironic because if I'm a defense. I'd much rather Jalen get the ball kind of coming off the handoff and kind of go under a screen as opposed to overplaying it and then letting him get this like a free zero dribble attempt at the rim. But but teams are scared of his ability to do everything. And so um, he's actually really smart with um, feeling when the defenses are overplaying him. And if they're underplaying him, then he, then he just he takes the handoff and then he gets downhill coming over the screen. Like um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for developing this skill, which is not something that he had two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And just the wide openness of his dunks. Like, yeah, he's had yeah. a couple. He's caught some bodies, Rudy Gobert most notably. But like to be in that position to have whether it's a wide open layup or a wide open dunk, like that's the most sought after shot outside of maybe a wide open corner three in the NBA. And he continues to get himself into that position, which can't be said for most NBA players, I guess. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Anyway, Al Horford moving on. And we are going to get oh, to the in-season tournament at a macro level and you know why this game was so fun and, and looking forward to the, the knockout stages here. But Al Horford and the bench, but Horford in particular, what if I told you, you guys that our 37-year-old backup center would have his second best defensive season of his career, according to defensive box plus minus ever, coming off the bench... 37 years old. I don't know what else to throw in there. Uh, it's amazing. And then like the three is going down. He's playmaking. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, he's the ultimate luxury when it comes to filling in for Chris Tapps, Porzingis, Spoonie. It's just, I don't know. Like, let's just gush over Al for five minutes if we, if we might. Gladly. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, I just think like last year, especially near the end of the year, it felt like he had lost a step on the perimeter. And I think that that is probably true. But I think that he has now had enough time to like understand, okay, I'm not that guy anymore. So I have to defend these quick guards a little bit different. I have to give them a little bit more space and just use positioning and smarts. And you saw it with that Trey Young block where he just lit like I think you tweeted, Ben, he literally sunned Trey Young because he blocked <laughs> it to his son. Um he he does he's not like up in it like completely in his airspace. He's almost like hurting him. Just like, no, come back to help towards the middle. Yep, no, you're coming this way. I'm there. And then when he when Trey goes up for the layup, he just pounces on it because he's still got great vertical lift for 37 and he's long as hell. Um, so it, it's like he kind of had a down season last year as he he's he got older, and now he's so smart and such a good basketball player, he's adjusted to his oldness and it's turned back into a strength. It's like it's crazy. He's wise. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I made the comparison last episode to LeBron as well, but LeBron went through the, the same transformation as yeah. well in just understanding, okay, my body has changed in these ways. How can I still use some of the, you know, the best basketball IQ that's ever existed and just transform my game? And, you know, that that's turned into LeBron in the post and um, just like really being able to pick his spots. And I think that's a really good, really great take, Spoonie, is that he's really just figured out, okay, my body is able to, not quite able to do what it was in that 21-22 season where he was like the the switch heaviest big in in the league. It's like I can't quite defend how I was that year, but now I know like I know how to get these guys to take certain contests. Yeah, I mean once especially once you add in his ability to hypnotize people with his eyes while <laughs> while guarding on the perimeter. But no, like he has been on an absolute heater and it's it, like it it coincided I think with the Philly game that both Jalen and Porzingis missed, but the Celtics won. And that was the game where Horford had like 15 rebounds, six assists. He had that block on Maxi at the rim, which led to the Derek White dagger three on the other end. Last seven games, 8.7 points, 7.3 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 0.5 steals, one block on 53-42, 100 splits, while also like 0.7 turnovers. It's beautiful. It's, it's it, it, the, the three balls up to 35% from three on the year. And that's that like, it's all we need, but I'm very interested to see where the three ball ends up. Right. Because last year he was at a ridiculous, a ridiculous level in that 44% range. I don't know for sure. It gets quite up there, but last seven games, he's back, you know, into that range again. And he's getting the cleaner looks earlier in the season when he was adjusting to his role. I was like, I don't feel like, I'm worried about his ability to shoot still. He's just not getting clean looks. He's that he people just aren't finding him early enough in the right spots. They're really contested. And now he he's getting clean looks and now he's starting to knock down the contested ones off the back of finding his rhythm and being the level of shooter that he was last year where he's because he's getting smaller guys matched up on him at times on the perimeters, late shot clock, and he's still able to shoot over the top of them. Get a little pump fake going. He had the the back down yesterday on a small defender into the lane, fade away. I mean, it's it's kind of incredible he's able to do this. I don't, yeah, 
It looks really confident. Remember, was it a year or yes. two ago we played the Warriors in in Boston and like we hadn't seen much from Al for a little pocket there and then we came yes. up against the Warriors. I guess it was after we lost to them in the finals and he was playing like a 25-year-old who's just springy yeah. and he was everywhere. And in this last stretch, he's, he's kind of looked a lot like that Like, and he's so confident. I wonder if, yeah, like reconciling with his oldness and just kind of having to figure out a reapproach to the game is a part of that because first of all, like his three-point shooting going up to 35% on the season is wild given he, I think he had like an 0 of 7 game. Yeah. Uh, he's had some really poor shooting to start the year for it to climb up uh, to that level is really impressive. Um, but then, yeah, to start shooting them over, you know, contests and make them at a regular clip is, uh, is great. And then just like the defensive end, everything that he does to help the team that doesn't necessarily show up on the box score. Um, and then the vibes, like he's a, he's a top yeah. three vibesman on the team. And that definitely oh, yeah. like cascades down to the other guys. We've talked about the eyes and how if Al's playing <laughs> a drop and you're a ball handler, you come over a screen and it's just like Al's eyes there twinkling and waiting for you. Like, yeah. how could you yeah. possibly do anything from that point onwards? You'd be frozen on the spot. So I uh, mean, it's kind of it's kind of like the beautiful version of the basilisk from Harry Potter. <laughs> <Chapter Yes. Six. laughs> yeah. You yeah. can't look directly in, into his <laughs> eyes, otherwise you're going to be frozen, but just with beauty as opposed to Terry this time. Yeah. It's literally <laughs> stunning. You are stunned in that moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've talked about continuity with the team and how that, that sort of experienced the drop-off to begin the season, given the changeover in the offseason. But Al and Jason Tatum do have continuity and they do have um, some nice tandem playmaking. Not a lot. Like, you wouldn't necessarily look up their two-man game at, at a high volume um, but they do have some really um, smooth moments together where you're like oh that's right these guys have been playing together since Tatum's rookie year minus you know one and a half years there for Al uh, and no wonder they know each other so well Jason Tatum though 21 7 and 4 in this game it felt like a, actually a good game for Tatum in, in terms of like he picked his spots he didn't over assert himself anywhere and you know he was just um, the backbone of the team, it felt in terms of like just being a defensive anchor and setting up guys to score and, and not being too selfish and trying to get his. And, you know, the end result was that we won the game by as many points as we needed to. Jake, are we, are we happy with Tatum's performance in this game? Obviously, magic game, not so good. But, you know, since then, he's kind of turned things back around again. Yeah, a good game against the Hawks. I don't know. He, I, I feel like he's being so careless at the moment with the turnovers. At the moment, he had he has four yesterday. His turnovers are up on the season, especially lately. The turnovers have been up. I don't know. I, I honestly, and this is all relative because of how good he is now. I actually don't think he's played that well as a whole now for for the season relative to what I know he's capable of. Like he should, he, he, the turnovers. He shouldn't be having three turnovers a game. Like how many turnovers is he, is he even averaging? At this point, I think it's like 3.4, which is- oh, Yeah, I was going to say three and a half. Yeah. Which so is not- right around there. Like, like last many. year it was- Yeah, last year it was 2.9. It's got to be below three. I think it was 2.4 in the um, in the playoffs last season. And I don't know. I feel like you can just tell with Tatum. Like the the version of him that is like surefire first team, all NBA, the, the, the version of Tatum that comes to mind where um, in the Brooklyn Nets series where he's-, he's the defense, I would say, has been really good, though. Like, I would say offensively has been just – it's just a little careless and not quite as purposeful and decisive as I'd like him to be. Like, he's, he, he's not – when he gets, when he's getting the ball, he's doing a little bit too much dancing. We're getting flashes of him being incredible. And, like, again, 
he's averaging like 27.7 points, nine rebounds, four assists. Like he's a career high in true shooting. I had a look the other day. His 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 field goal percentage is actually the highest it's been in his career. So like true shooting is obviously going to be higher at this point relative to earlier because of how many threes and how many free throws he's taking more and more free throws. But field goal percentage, his highest previously coming to this year was 47.5. His rookie season, because he was just like a three and D guy catch and shoot, he was 43% from three. And it's just, it's been like much lower since then. For him to have his highest field goal percentage, I think speaks to what we've talked about in the post. And that's probably the most important development is that like that's become a real part of his game now. So like when he does get into the flow of things, like you know how we would always deal with Tatum at the beginning of the season? It's like, what's wrong with Tatum? This is the version of, to me, of what's wrong with Tatum. It's just he's gotten so good now that the what's wrong with Tatum is is like still an all NBA guy. And which is, I think, almost a good thing because when we're, we're going to have a stretch sometime soon where he's going to go supernova again and we're going to be like, oh, right. This is, this is what we're talking about. I, I think he's coasting. I really yeah, do. Big time. I, I think, yeah, I think he's just like, look, I got so much talent on this team. Like, if they really need me, I can't, was it the Philly game? One, yes, it One was. game, yeah, when he just, like, dominated in the fourth quarter. Might, it might have been a Knicks game, too, where he's just yep. like, all right, time for me to take this over and win this game for us. Like, I think since those flashes are there, it's like he can just decide when he wants to take a game over with, you know, once in a while he won't be able to do it. But for the most part, I think this is kind of intentional on his part to just, like, let's let the team kind of gel again gain some chemistry around me because I know if I want the ball, I'm going to get the ball in my spots and that, you know, Joe will make sure I get the ball in my spots. So let's get these other guys comfortable as they're joining the team because yeah, like he, when he wants to turn it up defensively, I think he's one of the very best defensive players in the league, but like that magic game was pathetic, dude. Like he was not playing defense in that game. Like you could tell he's like, I'm not banging with Paulo for 48 minutes. Like I'm just not doing it tonight. Yeah. Um, And like this Franz, this German dude's huge. Like, "Ah, I don't got it in me tonight. So I I just, I think he's a hundred percent coasting and the turnovers are just pissing me off, man. Like he had one pass where he just like slung. It was like a pick and roll. Yeah. And he was hitting Al on the short roll and he just kind of like slung it over his head and it just like went right to a bowl. It's like, dude. I come on, man. Like you yeah. just gotta be better than that. There's no need for it. But he did that the sick f- pass to Banton though in like that pick <laughs> and roll. He like kind of spun it around that defender. Like that's the thing. He's still been so good. It's just I know. Yeah. Levels here. He yeah. had a great pass to Derek White as well. Yeah, uh, which was just yeah, insane, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. needle thread. So you know who else uh, averages a high amount of turnovers in this league? Nikola Jokic, because there's so much Ooh. required of him. Yes, and I will yeah. make this comparison offensively okay. as a creator <laughs> that uh, occasionally he needs to put himself in high risk playmaking scenarios. And I think Jason Tatum is maybe experimenting a little bit or feeling out what's possible, both individually from his own you know, playmaking potential, but as far as like what his teammates are capable of and him setting them up in certain situations as well. And yes, like some of the the turnovers are just dumb. Like you mentioned, like that dumb hook pass one. I almost, 
and this just says more about me as a fan. Like I, I almost don't count them, you know, because it's just like, oh, that was dumb. That's not, <laughs> that's not you being you. That's just you trying to figure shit out. And I, I won't hold that against you. But it's true. He's so, never thrown a dumb turnover in the playoffs before. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, you know, elite players who have a lot asked of them as far as, you know, whether it's just getting the ball, drawing two and making a play, which is often the case with Tatum, or just generally being a playmaker that is required to set up their teammates for success. They are naturally going to have a high turnover rate because of the usage that is demanded of them, I suppose. So, mate, call me a Tatum apologist. Could he be better? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But there are other elite players in the league who are suffering sure. from exactly the same ailment. Well, let me let me tell you, Ben. Hello. Um, Jason Tatum, <laughs> 3.2 turnovers per game. Nikola Jokic, 3.2 turnovers per game. I may have verified and that before that same very, guy. very remark. <laughs> and, there's no, and there's no other di- statistical differences. That's for sure. There is a championship disparity, unfortunately, as my Nuggets friend Dice will tell me on a daily basis <laughs> via text well, message. Well, I, I mean, it's a testament to how friggin' good Tatum is that we can sit here and be like, we don't think he's taking it 100% serious. And the way he's getting defended and he's sure. still able to put up the numbers he's putting up. Like, like, just look at when he catches the ball on the wing, yeah. what the defense does, dude. They just like, there's like five guys on his side the second he's got the ball. And the fact that he can like half coast his way to 21, seven and four in a 30 point blowout. It's like, this dude is, he's really good, man. Like he's a superstar. It's how I approach my job. I just tell my employer, yeah. just, just call me Jason Tatum. Just call me yeah. the MVP. <laughs> Look, when, when, when it's important, when, when you really need me, I'll be there. I'm coming there. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> there. <Yeah. laughs> now, Otherwise, get, I'm working from home. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah. Still be games, effective from game, home. Yeah, game six of the Philly game. Look, first three quarters of the week, you know, you're going to want more from me, but that Friday, that Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, no one's ever worked harder in that little period right there. Yeah. <laughs> now, we are going to get to a word from our sponsor, FanDuel, but I just want to take a break to say, first of all, thank you for everyone joining us in the live stream here. We've got a nice little cohort across the, the three channels that we're streaming on. Just want to say, if you're watching on the First of the Floor YouTube channel, head over to CLNS and subscribe to them. They've got, they're pumping out so much amazing Celtics content on a regular basis, but uh Similarly, if you're watching on the CLNS channels, pop over to First to the Floor. Obviously, we've got live podcasts every few days. We've got clips and shorts and reels and all kinds of things going out on our channel. Uh, We're very close to... 2.5k subs on our channel and the the goal is obviously 3,000 hopefully by much sooner than the end of the regular season so a bit of a call to action we find that these have worked lately get in there subscribe and also like and comment and engage because the YouTube algorithm is complicated we don't quite understand it we're sort of having a conversation you know albeit about the Twitter algorithm earlier today but we have no understanding of these things but we do know that liking and subscribing and engaging uh, is very helpful so uh, I don't know anything to add there guys Mate, get in there. Look, we we love doing this. We love hanging out with everybody in the chat. So just you know, help us, help you. Uh, it's all we're, all we're all friends here. And then while the ad read <laughs> is going on, you know, just get over there and like, and then we'll give you a, a bet that's definitely going to hit. yes definitely score early this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's $150 if your team wins if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time to get in on the action the app is easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over-unders and more so visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season 
FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now, back to the show. Now, I'm one for one on my bets, so I don't want to go again. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you guys got anything? I'm saying I haven't been keeping track. I'm assuming it's going really well. But I've got uh, <laughs> Nuggets, Rockets. Oh, it's the end of the first quarter right now. I was going to say it's minus 10. Live bet, Nuggets, minus 10 against the Rockets. Rockets on a back-to-back. Jamal Murray is back. Jokic doing his thing. Or just take the Kings against the Clippers. I, I don't care that the Kings played a tough game against the uh, the Warriors last night. The Kings... Are gonna run the are gonna run and the Clippers are so old, so old, and they're gonna run them off the court. Great, love it. There man. you go. Yeah, love it. I I have been keeping track. I'm zero for four, so I'm gonna keep it to myself. <laughs> yeah, gamble responsibly. That's <laughs> yep. the only disclaimer you need. <laughs> it's probably fate. Like probably fate. Spoonie and I. That'd yeah, be, yeah. That'd probably. Let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, look, we've got some a few more player details to get to before we get to the in-season tournament. And namely, Luke Cornett, who I don't want to spoil these stats for whoever's added them to the run sheet here. But suffice to, fair, to say, they are uh, fucking awesome. And uh, I, was, I was taking a look at his cleaning the glass profile. And I think he's like <laughs> leading. He's like top 100th percentile in... Like, is it at the rim field goal attempts or two-point field goal attempts or something? So, Luke Cornett, elite in, uh, in certain areas, Spoonie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, this is so- <laughs> this is sorry this is this is exactly what the term divorce level research <laughs> was created for correct sir uh, allow me uh as i get my lawyer on retainer um so <laughs> i'm i'm writing about luke for in three leaf clover should be out on friday so check that awesome. out but um okay so i think the first place to start with luke is we only get three points worse per 100 when he plays which is pretty good because he's replacing actual good players. So we're plus 6.5 net rating with him on the court. So we're beating, we're crushing teams. That's like a 55 win team pace. Um, they uh, Teams shoot 2% worse from the floor when he's on the court. But the big thing is from zero to nine feet when defended by Luke Cornett, field goal percentage drops by 12%, which is pretty ridiculous. And that's 11.5% between zero and five feet. So people... If he's contesting you, uh, you're basically just not making shots. And uh, look, he doesn't get to all the contests that like a KP does. But look, he's doing his job. He's being big around the rim. Uh, I think the fun stuff is that he is the most efficient shooter in the NBA from less than five feet. He leads the NBA in field goal percentage at less than five feet at 85.7%. And I think he showed it off last (laughs) night. Where he had this? No, they do it's not crazy. pass the eye test, but it's real. I, I, I think the problem. Look, Luke's sure? problem is he just doesn't get to enough shots. That's where yep. his weakness is. But when he gets there and is in position, he's very difficult to finish over. He does a really good job of keeping verticality, and I think as a pick and roll finisher, he's really improved. Like he's he made a few nice catches um, recently, and where he's getting the ball right up to the rim, no hesitation at all. And that's a big improvement from like three weeks ago when he wouldn't even look at the rim basically when he touched the ball. the ball. 
or catch the ball. Yeah. So I, I think he's really coming along. He's kind of finding his role. He's getting more playing time. That definitely helps. The one massive bugaboo, uh, the Jake Eisenberg trademark, oh, please get one rebound uh, challenge. <laughs> we are the threshold. We, our defensive rebound percentage gets 7.2% worse when Luke is on the court. So we are by far the worst defensive rebounding team in the NBA when Luke is playing, which does absolutely match the eye test in my opinion but look he's a third big he's gonna have weaknesses if he was good at all this stuff he would be a starting big and we couldn't afford him yeah i think that's really important like talking about it on twitter with some people today about trying to upgrade the third big position it's like this it's it's a third big please like the Sixers' third big is mo bamba like blue cornet is absolutely serviceable and dude Yesterday he rebounded well. He has a couple games here and there where mm-hmm. he's like getting him, getting mixed up. Definitely you have to play him big minutes in these IST tournaments because Luke Cornett is fighting for his family out there. <laughs> yes, he's, he, he wants his 500K bad. And yesterday you could definitely tell. But yeah, dude, he, he was the first <laughs> half of which game was it? I forget which game, but it was the game that Cater played. Was it the, the, the Hawks game? Yeah, the game where we got yeah. getting killed on the boards. Um, yeah, in the first half, the reason he got benched for Cater was – as we were saying, the rebounding, couldn't grab a rebound. But in the first half, the pick and roll chemistry with Tatum was really good. He 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 gets in the right spot. He gets on the short roll. He's comfortable now like finishing around the rim and he makes some nice passes. Like he makes quick decisions, passes out back to the perimeter, finding Derek White for catch and shoot threes. I I'm okay with Luke Cornette absolutely as a third big, just because I think he makes the right decisions. And again, on a team that's this good, your job is is easy. It's just, it's just rebound. Well, try your best to rebound and, and roll. And, and by the way, he's, he's missed one free throw this year. Hasn't taken a lot, but he's like seven for eight from the free throw line. He likes to, um, likes to make those re- those free throws, which have been an issue for the Celtics this year. Yeah. And he has that Bill Cartwright free throw uh, release as well. So for yeah, him to go down to that cliff is impressive. Yeah. I, uh, I felt like it was playing like he was about to default on his mortgage or that or it was <laughs> yeah. a response to the Mias Keita's um, or Keita rather's performance. But yeah. um, I can only imagine like he was in the locker room before the game, fielding a call from the bank being like, I'm sorry, Mr. Cornette, but we're going to have to repossess all of your valuables and, and your home uh, immediately you're thinking hang on a second i've got an in-season tournament game coming up just wait turn on your tv go to tnt or nbc sports plus and watch the game and just just wait wait till i come on the court and you'll see how motivated i am to repay this debt that i owe you uh bank x and uh, he, he did that he did so uh hopefully he's uh him and his family have a home and all their possessions for a little, a little while longer um I'm, I'm just seeing it in the chat here everybody is like so obsessed with the luke cornet um, our like because Al's old and and KP's health thing, which like I understand where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. At some point, you guys are gonna have to accept that Al Horford's gonna be totally fine in the playoffs. Uh, like he's proven it over and over again. And you only need really you only need one of KP or Al to still make a deep run. Look at their Miami Heat last year. Their backup big was Cody Zeller. Like, <laughs> look at the backup bigs around around the league. Like, it, like even Bobby Portis can't play like deeper to the playoffs. He's been a real issue on this team. On these teams, the the Nuggets don't have a real like DeAndre Jordan is their backup big. Yes, he destroyed the Clippers uh, with Reggie Jackson yesterday, but that's a that's a Clippers thing. If Al and Porzingis go down, I don't care who your third big is going to be. It's not going to matter. Uh, they actually have like the deepest center position probably in the NBA of a team that like K 
can actually win the title. So it's just it's just not it's just not going to change really. Yeah, and like who can you get that can play in the NBA finals, right? Like you we played no. Drummond off the court yesterday. Like and that's yeah. probably who's the good? level of guy. Who's good, right? That's the level of guy you probably say is an upgrade that's actually obtainable. And he can't hit free throws. So guess no, what? He can't, can't play. play in the playoffs. So I, I just don't see where the upgrade's coming from. Um, yeah, and I'm with you, Jake. I think I'd probably rather target another position if we're going to reinforce the bench with a trade. Yeah, well, speaking of Andre Drummond, there was Hacker Drummond happening. <laughs> and as we zoom out to talk about sort of the IST format here, Hacker Drummond up 30-ish, fourth quarter, but still the differential still in question there. And then there was some post-game comments about, mm. you know, didn't think that was necessarily cool, maybe a little disrespectful to the game. I would argue that the basketball gods clearly still hold us in favor because how the fuck <laughs> else does Royce O'Neal go on that three-point explosion unless <laughs> the basketball gods are looking down on us with all their glory and, and mercy. Um, but, you know, that said, it was a little bit of a shift from what we're used to in terms of the ethics of the game, Jake. So, how did you feel about the sort of finer points of the IST? Me, personally, couldn't give two shits about <laughs> running the score up on your opponent. Like, this is it's a small window for this tournament where point differential matters. And look, Chicago... Don't lose by 30. Like, you've been given a point differential of 23. Uh, you you know the you know the deal. There's 500 k on the line for some guys that it really matters to. And for anyone, I don't care how rich you are, like 500 k is 500 k. Uh, people want to go party in Vegas. Like, there's there's like real incentives on the line. Also, these people are competitors. You know, I'm a competitor. I'm screaming in my um, in my living room. Wanting to get the like get through to the tournament and be part of this thing, like I understand there's probably going to be a disconnect between fans and players at first, especially because there's like this code of like not running up the score. And Tatum talked about it after the Magic game, but that always feels like sour grapes. One when you're the losing team, but I will say I gave give the Celtics credit that Drew and Jalen were like, I don't love the idea that um we have to run up the score in certain times uh to to get this done. But I do think that there's ways that they can tweak the the in-season tournament where we're not so focused on running the score up, um, where point differential becomes so important, whether that's like, you know, scheduling all the games at the same time so, like, you can't scoreboard watch quite as much or there's, like, an extra game or two. Yeah, Simmons oh. had a good idea. Make the groups yeah. bigger and make them play an extra okay. game and then there'll mm-hmm. be less, like, three teams at three and one and there'll just be a bigger differential between the records. Um, but... You want to get mad at somebody, Chicago, get yes. mad at the league for making score, you know, for this, uh, for the score difference to matter like that. That's who you should be mad at. The Celtics were doing what the league incentivized them to do. We had to win by 23 if we want to move on. So we're going to do anything we can to win by 23. And if that's yeah. hacking Drummond in the beginning of the fourth quarter in a 29 point game, that's what's going to happen. That I did like that Joe went over to Billy Donovan and was like, yeah. Hey, man, hey, this look. is why I'm like, I'm not just being an a-hole. Like, we have a reason I'm doing <laughs> yeah. this. We need to win by 23. Sorry. This is a seven-point game to us. I did see a good take on Twitter from Trey being like, it's a good thing we have Joe Mazzullo as our uh, coach for the tournament because Brad Stevens wouldn't have it, have the heart 
to no. Michael Drummond. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I'll be mad at Andre Drummond as well. And this goes back uh, yeah, well, well beyond uh, the IST, but like, hi, I'm Andre Drummond, professional basketball player. Oh, cool. Hey, yeah. take this basketball and can you shoot it from this line here? No, I cannot. I, just, I can't <laughs> yeah, hit free throws. Yeah. Like, what are you doing yeah. there? Like, you're professional. Four in you've, been, a row. you've been playing the game yeah. all your life. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. So I think that's where the, the origins of the madness should be. But um, yeah, it was, you know, against the ethics of the game or whatever. But that's why I say the basketball gods still hold us in favor because the game has changed. And this was within, you know, reason as far as the approach to this game. It was interesting, Joe saying in his postgame presser, which was great, by the way, that he essentially had to sign at least one member of his coaching staff to be like the in-team IST consultant. Right. And like, if we get to a certain threshold, I want you like kneeling down behind me being like, we need three points, like or whatever it is, <laughs> like to get to a certain point. And it seemed like that was happening. And there was some connection there between the conversation with Billy Donovan and like the little angel on his shoulder, the IST mm. consultant on the coaching staff as well. So cool little wrinkles here with the IST. Oh, I, I love I it. I love it. Yeah. And DJ Daniel, great point. Like for the fans, dude, like you talk about respecting the game, these fans, are, tickets are so expensive now to come and play. And this game would have been over halfway through the third quarter, really at halftime. And yeah. instead, everybody's into it. The crowd was lit, dude. You could feel it through the TV. Mm-hmm. All game, everybody was into it against the one of the worst teams in the league on a random night. The Perfect. And everybody gets their money's worth. We got Sam Hauser dunking. Everybody wins. Like the vibes, the, the energy, the feelings. Everyone's going to live like 12 months longer because of this game tonight. <laughs> I'll take the extra 12 months. Uh, well, yeah, he, definitely. Here's the knockout bracket. So uh, if I try and get rid of that comment there, thank you. So we played the Pacers in Indiana on Monday night, 7.30 mm-hmm. p.m. there, December 4th. We've got yep. the Bucks against the Knicks. So we, if we do win and- Tyrese Halliburton will very likely be back to play against us for the first time this year. If we do win that game, we'll play the winner of the Bucks or the Knicks there. And then we've got the Lakers and the Suns and the Kings and the Pelicans on the other side. So if we win the next two games, we're likely to play one of those four teams. So just just looking at a bracket, really, in November yeah, and that bracket sick. being related to yeah. the NBA <laughs> is like all I really need from this. It's fucking awesome, guys. Dude. Look at these matchups. You've got like Lakers, Suns, and you've got the Bucks are in it. The, like big franchises. I mean, you're going to have Zion and the Kings that are up and coming. And like Halliburton and the Pacers have like one of these craziest offenses the league has ever seen. And you're like, okay, well, and yeah, someone in the chat here, it's like, we could easily end up with Lakers Celtics here. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. that, which which as a Celtics fan, I feel fantastic as that's an, as a option. Easy win. <laughs> and like, I feel, I've won the, the win and like, we might get some, some good refing along the way here uh, to, to make sure that this, that happens. Yeah, I mean, this is just unequivocally a success, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of, when it first came out, I was like, all right, whatever. You know, it's regular season games. I'm going to care. But, like, the players clearly give a shit. And, like, so, of course, I'm going to give it. Like, if they care just yeah. a little bit more, I'm going to care just a little bit more. Like, they're playing hard as hell in the beginning of that fourth quarter. Then they kind of trailed off. And then Pritchard comes in with, like, six minutes left. And that dude's flying around like it's game seven of the NBA Finals. We're up 30. Like, this is awesome, man. Like, (laughs) I I just don't see what there's not to like about it, really. Because it's just also regular season basketball with a little bit extra kind of fun and craziness mixed in. There's, like, no downside. Mm, helps that we advanced. Feel a lot better that about too. it. That too. <laughs> that too. Oh, I, w- I was like, oh, I'm going to care so much less if the Celtics don't get in. Yeah. yeah. That's, but, but, uh, but yeah, they're in. And like the matchup with the Pacers, thank God we get to play them in the IST where it actually matters because that's the team that 
went up 30 on us last year because mm-hmm. yep. we did the whole we don't care thing, which I'm hoping they don't do this time because that it's actually going to matter because the paces will be up 20 like instantly. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a great matchup, especially like in Indy. You know, they're going to be they're going to be hyped for this. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Eric Weiss had a, a great comment in the chat as well that we should always play with a point differential yes. because the third quarter nightmares were no more. It was yes. just okay, like yeah. we we have no reason to relax. We actually have to keep pushing here and they did exactly that. So it was it was nice to just watch a full game end to end where aside from the first 5 minutes where they were just jacking up threes already playing like they were down 23, which and technically then. they were, aside from that dodgy start they they always um, kept the foot down, which is what you want to see. It's not realistically possible, as we've learned as long-term Celtics fans, but it was great to see it within the vacuum of a game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think this is this is success, success. And, yeah, like, well, the Celtics should – what we should do is to try and get them to play with the point differential. Someone should tell them that all of us, you know, keyboard warriors, agenda pushes, like the point differential matters for our uh, propaganda. Like if you blow these teams out, as opposed to pissing away these fourth quarter leads. We're able to put together all these awesome graphics. Everybody's going to be talking about you great. Instead, we have to hear about, you know, the concern trolling about the Celtics here and there. Yeah, Tatum, how am I going to make a net rating argument about you being the MVP if you don't have a crazy net rating, dude? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Blow these guys out. (laughs) Stop throwing these dumb turnovers. And DJ Daniel, I can't say that was my idea. I got that from the You Know Ball podcast. The NBA Cup, though, is a much better name than the IST. Especially yes, if they're drinking absolutely. beer out of it while they while they hoist it yeah, in Las yes. Vegas there. That would be uh, okay. ideal. I just had an idea. If we win the tournament, we're going <laughs> to have to create a replica of the trophy, which does have a, something to drink beer out of. And then when we all meet in Vegas for Summer League, which everybody in the chat, please come to Vegas for Summer League too, and we'll all drink beer out of the IST trophy. And it's going to be great. <laughs> Get I'm your COVID vax before you come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. That's an awesome idea. Now, look, we're at 53 minutes. We typically like to wrap up after an hour. We've got two more things to get to before we wrap up here. We'll do this quickly, guys. We wanted to do an around the room on the NBA fear rankings. And folks in the chat, mm. let us know who sits atop or at the bottom of your NBA fear rankings. This is, as a Celtics fan, sort of loosely based, what team concerns you the most? Which team are you happiest to not see anytime soon? Which team are you dreading? seeing sometime soon i'll start for me it's an easy one it's the orlando magic that's 12 and 5 they have an incredible defense they have a long-term sort of demonstrated level of effectiveness against the celtics as spoody's cat makes an appearance for all the bingo players at home i never want to see these guys again and yet we play them twice in two weeks time back to back um am i right in thinking that this these guys rightfully sit atop the fear rankings i have them in my Two spot. I can't put. I can't put them ahead of the Heat. Uh, I'm yeah, so you were gonna it's, go there. <laughs> it's it's Miami every day, every day of the week. These Floridian they, teams. They can't. Yeah. God damn, dude. Enough. Yeah. Screw everything from Florida. Mary Poppins couldn't agree more. The uh, the, the Miami Heat number one. The the Black Magic. They've now the the draft pick that they've got, Jaime Jaquez Jr. I knew it as soon as he was drafted. He's like. Probably going to be third in the Rookie of the Year race this year, and um, yeah, they're they're going to be excellent. And then the, the the best way to beat the Celtics is always short circuit their offense. The Heat and the Magic have the best way to do that mm-hmm. over the Bucks, like the Knicks. You could almost even put ahead of the Bucks. I, I feel like I can't quite go that far. I think I have the Bucks at three, then Philly, then the Knicks. So I, I I'm with Jake. I have the Heat number one. Um, 
I'm kind of, I think, I don't know, man. I think I'm picking between the Magic and Philly at two because mm-hmm. I think this is a different version of Philly. It's a different version of Tyrese Maxey. And they actually have competent wings now with yep. Batum and Rocco, um, which is just Even something Ubre. they never had. Yeah, yeah. And Ubre. That's just something they never had. And obviously the Jays are much better than those guys, but they've never had anybody to throw at the Jays. Now they at least have like sized defenders they can have match up. So I think I might have, well, but we also kind of own Philly. So I think I'd go magic too, but I also think there's a little bit of shooting luck with these magic. Um, Like last year, the magic shot way above their head against us. And we shot way below our normal averages against them. And maybe that's partly matchup, but like Bancaro can't shoot threes. He doesn't miss against us. There's a kind of some funkiness going on with these magic games, but uh, so, but they still whip our ass. So at some point, that's just real. So like, let me go. I'd go Heat, Magic, Philly, and then probably Bucks, Knicks. I'm, the Knicks yeah. don't scare. I've always been low on the lower than everybody on the Knicks. I think. Sure, they they, they it would it would go six though against the Knicks. Like we, I think we would win, yeah. but it would it would be stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Julius Randall just seems way much, way too much of an implosion risk, particularly throughout the course of a playoff series. I don't know how his cup of tea there a couple of years ago in the playoffs, but for the most part, I don't trust his uh, productivity in the playoffs. So the Knicks don't scare me that much. As much as like the primal screaming of Tibbs on the sideline, I think is just like, it's pretty imposing and intimidating at home through the TV. I can't imagine what that's like in the arena there, particularly in New York. So yeah, they're, they're definitely in the top five of the of the fear ranking. So, I mean, we've got here in our run sheet. So Heat, Bucks, Philly, Magic, Knicks. I think at the very least, we're agreeing that they are all within our top five. And it sounds like Heat, yeah, Magic are kind of kind of up there for, for all of us. Um, yeah, this is this is very clippable if you're a Bucks you know, Bucks Philly person, the fact that we've got the magic above both Philly and, and Milwaukee, but that's just <laughs> understanding how you beat the Celtics is like really you screw their offense up and that's how you beat them. Like if you're the Bucks, I just don't fear you if you can't guard the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I can't. Like, yeah, I understand the Dame thing and in clutch time they might be better, but if you're down 12 going into every fourth quarter, it's like, is it going to, I'm not sure how much it's going to matter. Well, the anyway. fear the fear is out there. The fear is strong with these teams. Yeah. And uh, while it's been a good week with the IST advancement and everything, like these guys are lurking in the shadows, particularly the, the magic we have to face uh, very, very soon post IST, whatever happens there. Now, guys, let's wrap it up there, I think. What do you guys okay. think? Anything else you want to? Yeah, anything no. else you want to add? <laughs> so we'll we'll save we'll save the the random trade stuff for the next episode, which which we've got which we've got cooking. Yeah, great. Love it. Well, look, an exciting a exciting week coming ahead. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back very soon with another pod, more live streams, more watch parties. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter for all of that great stuff. If you're subscribed to those channels, you're going to be notified about what's coming up on our schedule. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.